0: You know, before you run a race, you better make certain you're on the right track. Before you climb a ladder, make certain it's leaning against the right wall. Before you take a test, you better be prepared. And before you meet God, you better be ready. Norman Vincent Peale, the old popular positive thinking author, made a statement. He said, Any faith is better than no faith. That's what he said. Any faith is better than no faith. Better to be a Buddhist than nothing. Hmm. Heard a guy one time giving his testimony of how he had supposedly come to faith in Christ. He was before thousands of people. And he got up there and he said that he, one night he was out in the open air. He looked up at the sky and he looked at the moon and saw the face of Jesus. Well, you should have seen the pastor scurry up to the pulpit to try to cover this thing up. But, but, but what you did trust in the shed blood uh, of Jesus, but the damage was done. He got saved by seeing Jesus in the moon. In the same pulpit, I heard a, a self-proclaimed millionaire uh, from his early childhood, he had one goal in life, and that was to be very wealthy, so he got a hold of uh, Napoleon Hill's book called Think and Grow Rich. Napoleon Hill said if you want to accomplish a goal in life, you have to be willing to do the thing you want to do the least. And he had the audacity to say that the last thing on earth he wanted to do, the thing he least wanted to do was to become a Christian because his mother-in-law was a Christian and he didn't want to be like her. But he said that in order to accomplish his goal, he became a Christian because that was the last thing on earth he wanted to do. Have we not heard some dubious testimonies in our lifetime? Is not the spiritual landscape absolutely crowded with false doctrine? You know, when it comes to uh, defining the nature of saving faith, the waters are muddy, the least, but uh, to say the least. But let's see if we can clear it up a bit this morning by looking in James chapter 2. I invite your attention to the book of James chapter 2. And we'll just break in here in verse 14. James chapter 2, verse 14. James chapter two, verse fourteen, as you stand that find that, please stand to your feet for the reading of the word of God, please James chapter two verse fourteen Notice the words of God, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can that kind of faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled' Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Well, show me your faith without your works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God? You believe there's one God? Thou doest well. The devils also believe and even tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? When it offered up his son Isaac upon the altar, See, thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now look at verse 19 and read it out loud with me, please. Verse 19 together. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well, the devils believe and tremble. You believe there's one God? Well, James says, big deal. (laughs) So what? The demons not only believe, they even tremble. I want to tell you this morning, the demons believe they're enlightened in their minds. Demons tremble. They're stirred in their emotions. And the spirituality, the spiritual, the spiritual, Reality is so great, it causes a tremendous emotional upheaval. They tremble, and the demons confess with their mouth that there is but one God. Demons believe and tremble, but most church members in America merely believe. Is it possible that that faith is superior to the faith of many? The message this morning, demon faith. Father, in Jesus' name, speak a quickening word and Father, an enlivening word. And Father, may you be honored and may your kingdom go forward and may people be born from above. We ask with faith in Christ's name with thanksgiving. All God's people said, You can be seated. Now I want you to notice several things about our text this morning. Number one, the demons are affected mentally. They believe. Demons are shaken emotionally. They tremble. But demons are unchanged spiritually. Now, <clears throat> demons are informed, but they're not transformed. Demons recognized Christ when he was on the earth, but they did not repent. Demons are convinced that Christ is God, but they're not converted. And demons give mental assent to the facts of the gospel, but no heartfelt surrender to the Savior himself. Let me speak this morning from this, this passage, which is a bother to many, about what I'm calling the disturbing faith of demons. The disturbing faith of demons. It's disturbing because it so closely resembles the type of faith the average church person in America possesses. It's disturbing because it's virtually identical to the type of faith displayed in popular Christianity. It's disturbing because it's orthodox but dead. And it's disturbing because it would hold to every fundamental tenet of Bible Christianity. But I'm telling you, it's the disturbing faith of demons. Let me give you some specifics. Number one, uh, this type of demon faith is disturbing because demons believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's better than the liberals. It says there in Mark chapter 1, there was this guy in the synagogue that had an unclean spirit. He, had a, he was demon-possessed. And when Jesus came into his proximity, uh, that demon cried out and said, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us before the time? And he said this, I know you who you are, the Holy One of God. The demon said, I know who you are. You're the perfect and righteous one without sin. Mark chapter 5, another demon-possessed guy came into Jesus' presence, and he said, uh, he said what have I to do with Jesus, thou son of the most high God? That's what the demon said. What have I got to do with you, the son of the most high God? There are no liberal demons. There are no neo Orthodox demons demons there is certain uh, there is certain that Jesus is God is the Apostle Paul and I don't find in the gospel record uh, where any demon denied the deity of Jesus Christ. I find this disturbing. Number two, demon faith is disturbing because demons believe that Christ is the exclusive way of salvation. Demon faith believes that Jesus Christ is the exclusive way of salvation which is better than our major denominations. Now it says in Mark chapter 3, there were these unclean spirits and when they saw Christ, they fell down saying, thou art the son of God. That's what the demon said. You are the son of God. That's the redemptive title of Jesus Christ. That's the same confession Peter made when he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Acts chapter 16. There was this fortune telling a woman who made her masters much gain by fortune telling soothsaying. And the Bible says the same followed Paul. And, 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 the, and the demon cried out of this woman and said, These men are servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. It's not what Paul said, that's what the demon said. These men are servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. Can I tell you this morning? The demons believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and yet they're still damned. I'm telling you, it's disturbing. Number three, demon faith is disturbing because demons believe in the inerrancy of the Bible, which is better than most pastors. You know, when it comes to the inerrancy of Scripture, I find no doubting Thomas demons. Uh, When it comes to the authority of the Bible, uh, demons are just like the devil. Bible believers, they're not Bible obeyers how many cults how many cults were founded by men and women who at the first claimed to believe the bible was the very word of god well just about every one of them now, can i say that satan not only believes the bible he can quote and misquote the bible remember in the wilderness temptation when he took Christ to the pinnacle of the temple and he said, if thou be the son of God, cast yourself down as, as if Jesus had to prove any point to the devil. And, and then he quoted the Bible. He said, for it is written, his angel shall give thee charge concerning thee, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. Satan not only knows the Bible, he, 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 he believes the Bible, he can quote the Bible. In Revelation chapter 12, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath. Now in Revelation 12, why is the devil so upset? Because the Bible says he knows that he has but a short time. How does he know he only has a short time? Because he knows Bible prophecy. He's an eschatological genius. He knows more than the guys making these stupid predictions. Say amen right there. The demon, you see the problem Demons would subscribe to every major doctrinal point on your doctrinal statement this morning. But demon faith is intellectual assent to certain facts, but no heartfelt surrender to the Savior himself. It's disturbing. It's disturbing, number four, because demons believe in the doctrine of eternal damnation which is better than most Protestants. You say, well, what do you base that on? Well, in Matthew chapter eight, uh, when he was come to the other side of the country, there were two guys exceeding fierce. uh, They're hanging around the cemetery, coming out of the tombs. uh, And and behold, they cried out. And when they saw Jesus, they said, what have we got to do with you? Are, Are you come hither to torment us before the time? Now here they are snarling and growling, and the demon is crying out of these demon-possessed men, uh, have you come to torment us before the time? Now listen, uh, demons believe that Christ is their judge. Uh, Demons believe that their eternal destiny is in his hands. Demons believe in a set time and a set place of judgment when many ministers are denying it. In listening to popular teaching and preaching today, you get the idea that hell has disappeared. But demons believe in the doctrine of eternal damnation. Now, you know, the idea is today that God is too good to send men to hell. And number two, men are too good for God to send them to hell. But here we have demons believing in the doctrine of eternal retribution. It's disturbing. But number five, demon faith is disturbing because demon faith has even produced answers to prayer. Demon faith has even produced answers to prayer. Now, don't misunderstand. Demons don't pray unless they're forced to. Demons don't cry out to God voluntarily. But recall that demoniac had that legion of evil spirits in him. And when, when, when Jesus came into the proximity of this legion, the demons cried out and said what? Cast us into the... How many had bacon for breakfast here this morning? Jesus cast us into the swine. What did Jesus do? He answered their prayer, He granted their request. He cast them into this herd of swine. I want to tell you, I find it disturbing that demon faith has produced answers to prayer. Demon faith believes that Christ is the exclusive way of salvation. A demon faith believes in the eternality of hell, the authority of Scripture, and the deity of Christ, and yet they're still damned. You're saying, what in the world could be missing? They got more going for them than 60% of the churches in our country. What could be wrong with this kind of faith? Well, let me give you, in brief, the deficiencies of demon faith. Let me just give you a few. Uh, deficiencies of demon faith. What is wrong with the faith right here uh, of demons in James chapter 2? Well, number one, a uh, demon faith exhibits no enthusiasm for the Lord Jesus Christ. Demon faith exhibits no enthusiasm for Jesus Christ. You'll never hear... A, group of demons singing that song. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the What can make me whole again? Nothing but the Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You'll never hear a bunch of demons singing that song. You see, the problem is demons don't deny the fact of the cross. The trouble is they don't celebrate it. You'll never hear a group of demons singing that song, Oh, that old rugged cross so despised by the world as a wondrous attraction for me. Can I ask you a question? Is there any magnetism between that hill called Calvary in your heart? Is there any wondrous attraction between your soul and the cross where Jesus Christ died? I'm telling you, demons have no enthusiasm for Jesus Christ. I'll be honest with you, I'm tired of going to fundamental churches and the song services it uh, looks like a, an attempt to cure insomnia. I'll be honest with you, I'm a, little, I'm a little weary of the lack of enthusiasm for the Lord Jesus Christ. A the holy fire wouldn't hurt this northern crowd down here in southern Florida. Say amen on that point right there. This is going to get good here this morning. Now far from delight, these demons are disturbed when they consider the victory at Calvary. They have no enthusiasm for Jesus Christ. I meet people who are enthusiastic about their political preferences. They're enthusiastic about their distinctives. They're enthusiastic about their preferred culture, but they have no enthusiasm for Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, if you've never seen yourself as a sinner, it's a small wonder you've never gotten overly excited about a Savior, you never weep over another man's sins until you've wept over your own. I'm just just here to tell you. Spurgeon said, if you have no wish for others to be saved, then you're not saved yourself. I mean, if there's no desire and no effort ever to bring anybody to Christ, you've got every reason to question whether you've ever come savingly to Christ yourself. I was preaching in my home church, a liberal church. They invited me back. I gave him both barrels. We had 12 people. Trust the Lord. And when one lady got saved, her first words were this. Now we've got to get my husband saved. That was the very first thing. Well, why? Because she had found the Lord. And buddy, she was pumped up about this thing. Do you desire to bring others to Christ? Are you excited about him? Is your heart ever drawn out to him? Does your heart run hard after him? You say, well, I believe in God. Well, I believe Bible. Well, the demons not only believe, they even tremble. Let me ask you this morning. Is your faith any different than the faith of demons? Are you enthusiastic about the person of Jesus Christ? Deficiency number two. Demon faith does not lead a person to repentance. Demon-type faith leads nobody to repentance. Now, Repentance was the first word of the gospel in the mouth of Jesus when he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Luke 13, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. He said that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. Repentance has been purged from the American pulpit by and large. I ain't talking about the liberals either. Uh, People are so afraid that somebody's going to confuse repentance with works, they overlook every scripture in the Word of God that commands repentance. Paul said he preached repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And the times of this ignorance God winked at but now commands all men everywhere to repent. John the Baptist told a Gentile Herod to repent of adultery and he lost his head. The apostles preached repentance and they all, 11 of them died as martyrs. Jesus preached on repentance and they crucified him and repentance is no more popular in Baptist churches today than it was in Bible time. And I want to tell you something about demon faith. It leads nobody to repentance. Does anybody think that maybe repentance is the missing ingredient in today's gospel presentation? Romans chapter two. Don't you know it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance? 1937, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a martyr in Nazi German, Germany described a her- heresy of what he called cheap grace. And here's how he defined it. The preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Hmm. Faith without works is dead. Faith without repentance is dead. What does the word repent mean? Well, repent means to change the mind, metanoia. It's a change of attitude. It's a change, a change of the mind uh, about God about ourselves and about our sin. It's a change of mind that produces a change of heart that leads to a change of life. There's only one essential difference between a demon and a Christian, and here it is. Demons have never repented, but Christians have. That's the difference, that's the main difference. How many people want heaven without holiness? How many want blessing without brokenness? How many want consolation? Consolation without consecration. How many want grace without government? You see, the demons believe in tremble, but they never humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. Or they believe in tremble, but they never mourn and grieve over their rebellion. And I'm telling you, we're living in an age when everything is smiles and everything is hype and everything is positive. But brother, blessed are those that mourn for they shall be comforted. Demons believe in tremble, but they never confess and forsake their sins. They believe in tremble, but they never seek God's forgiveness. Their essential character remains unchanged. Remember how that Paul, when he went to witness to Felix, what did he tell him? God has a wonderful plan for your life. That's not what he said. When he went to witness to Felix, what did he say? He reasoned with him. He reasoned with him about righteousness, right living, self-control, and judgment to come. And the Bible tells us that he trembled, but it never says he repented. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever repented? Let me say this, that repentance alone will not save you. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Repentance will not save you, but you can never be saved without it. It's a change of mind and it's a turning to and it's a turning from sin. Let me give you the third deficiency of demon faith. Demon faith is deficient in good works. Demon faith is deficient in good works. Now it says here in James 2, three times, faith without works is, verse 17. Verse 20, faith without works is. Verse 26, faith without works is. Do you think that, trying to get a point over here. The point is, faith without works is like fire without heat. Faith without works is like snow without cold. Faith without works is like Florida without hurricanes. It ain't real. It just ain't real. And faith and works are not mutually exclusive. In the Word of God, they go together. And let me just say this, you are saved by faith alone, praise God. But the faith that saves is never alone, it's always accompanied by good works. Now, works are not the way to be saved. Works are the proof that you have been saved. And the Bible is very, uh, very, very upbeat about good works. (laughs) Not for salvation, but as a consequence of it. Are you with me on this? Not everyone that saith unto me, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he which doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now, here's some scary verses. Uh, Not everyone uh, that says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, didn't we preach in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Wow. Didn't we do wonderful works in your name? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Notice they were basing their salvation on the stuff they were doing and the stuff they had done instead of what Jesus had done. And I want to tell you something, demon faith is deficient in good works. Good works don't prove you're saved. You can do good works and not be saved, but the absence of good works proves that you're not. Now, good works don't prove a person is a Christian, but the absence of good works proves that he's not. Think about Judas Iscariot. Boy, he did some wonderful works, didn't he? I mean, for crying out loud, he kept the bag. He called Jesus master. He kissed the door of heaven and he fell headlong into hell. Why? Because he was the son of perdition. Now, I'm not preaching work salvation. I'm preaching salvation that works. And I think that's what the scripture teaches. Now, it says, for by grace are you saved through, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus on two coming to Florida and sitting around and doing nothing. You know what the perception is of the crowd that comes down from Canada and the Northeast and all the rest. Uh, the guys come down here and get them a gold chain and a Speedo, which ought to be against the law. Say amen right there. <laughs> and these old women come down here and got on, look like a bunch of reptiles in miniskirts, man, skin all dried out and all this kind of stuff, but... Uh, we're created in Christ Jesus unto good. Yeah, so so not as a means of being saved. No, <laughs> no, a uh, hundred times, no. But that's a consequence of being saved by the grace of God. Faith without works is dead. Faith without fruit is dead. Where there is no fruit, there is no root. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me bringeth forth much fruit but every branch that beareth not fruit is cut off and cast into the fire scary now look not everybody's the same let's be candid here we all come from different situations in life Uh, not everybody's going to be the same some's going to have 30 fold fruit some's going to have 60 fold some's going to have 100 fold not everybody's going to be the same but there's got to be something Uh, You're not perfect, but you are different. But let me say something to you. Demon faith is deficient in good works. Number four, demon faith does not affect behavior. Demon faith does not affect behavior. It's impossible to be a theological conservative and a social liberal. It's impossible. And all this talk about well, I believe in Jesus and I got all these kind of views and all this kind of stuff. Uh, Let me just say this, demon faith does not affect a person's behavior because demons are informed, they're not transformed. Demons are enlightened, but they're not enlivened. Ian Thomas said the greatest mistake we've made in contemporary Christianity is mistaking soul enlightenment for soul enlivenment. There's a difference between being enlightened and understanding and being enlivened by the Spirit of God. I grew up in Southside, Virginia, on a tobacco farm. I wouldn't recommend it, the use of tobacco products, not because of nicotine, but because of the chemicals and the poisons and all the rest. But I grew up in Southside, Virginia. Near my home was a NASCAR racetrack, South Boston Raceway, very small quarter-mile track. Uh, how many know what NASCAR stands for? NASCAR. Non-athletic sports centered around rednecks NASCAR. There it is. And I was over there one night, and they were racing on this very small track. <laughs> and uh, there we were. And it's this, the track is so small, they don't have a victory circle. Uh, the victory circle is in the middle of the track <laughs> because it's a very small track. Well, the guy that won the race, they went out there, they shoved a microphone uh, up, up in his face and uh, he, said, uh, he said, that was a blank of a race out there tonight. A little four letter expletive right there. And he said, that was a blank of a race out there tonight. And then the next thing he said was, and I wanna thank the Lord Jesus Christ because without him, I couldn't have won this race. Now here he is uh, cursing in one breath Here he is cursing in one breath and giving Jesus the credit in the demon faith. I'll just tell you, if if the grace of God can't clean up your mouth, he had never cleaned up your heart. And now we got Christian cussing, Christian drinking. Now we're going to have Christian pot parties. I mean, what in the world are we talking about here? Uh, if there's no effect on your behavior, there's no salvation. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passing away. Behold, all things are become new. And you're not going to be perfect. We'd all go along with that, wouldn't we? But we are going to be different, amen. We got a different. Uh, we got a different. Uh, a different destination going on here. You know, when it comes to this thing of repentance, you know, here, here's the deal right here. Uh Repentance is a change of mind, a change of heart that leads to a change of life. In, in Romania, under Ceausescu, the communist dictator, they had revival at uh, Second Baptist Eradia. Joseph San was the pastor. The communists persecuted uh, the Christians. They, they imprisoned the pastors. They threatened their families. And you know what? It was hell on earth. And by the way, uh, the Christian consensus in our country is now gone. I'm not trying to say that to rile you up. I'm just here to tell you, the culture has changed. Uh, we're going to be like the rest of the world, and we're going to suffer for righteousness' sake if we dare to stand for it. That, is not, that might, might not happen. That is going to happen. It's happening right now. But, 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 but under communism, you know what the pastor, Joseph San challenged his people to do? He challenged them to repent. To repent. Repent of what? Stealing and drinking alcohol. get a load of this. Under socialism, you don't steal to get rich. You steal to have enough to feed your family. Uh, That's why you steal. So he challenged the church members at Second Baptist Erotia to repent of stealing from the government. Hmm. Number two, he challenged them to repent of drinking alcohol. Eradia uh, is a, a, a major wine producing district in that nation, but he didn't want any Budweiser, Merlot Baptists in his crowd and uh, Second Baptist Eradia. He t- challenged them to quit drinking alcohol. Can you believe that? Legalist. <laughs> By the way, you don't have to worry about becoming a drunk if you don't drink in the first place. That's some truth in that right there. Well, you know what the world called those people at Second Baptist. You know what the world called them derogatorily? Repenters. Repenters. You're not one of those repenters over there, are you? You're not one of those holy rollers over there, are you? You're not one of those extremist legalists over there, are you? But they call them repenters. I've been called a lot of stuff, Pastor Lytell, in my lifetime. But to date, nobody yet has ever called me a repenter. That would be the greatest compliment that anybody could say about you or me is that we are repenters. You know what repenters are? Repentance is an initial turning that has lifelong implications. It's a turning to, yes, but it's a turning from. Yes, you can't turn from idols. to, You can't turn to God unless you turn from your idols in the first place. Now, I grew up in a liberal church where I never heard the gospel. I never heard that God loved me, that I had to be born again, that I could be saved by the blood. I never heard none of this. I went to a gospel movie at a public high school, and uh, at the end, a little bald-headed guy got up there, and he said, God loves you. He said, Christ died for your sins. He said, you can find peace with God by receiving Christ as your Savior. I never heard anything like this. So I snuck on down to the inquiry room after it was all over, and and we got down there, and he said the same thing. He said, God loves you. He said, you can find forgiveness and peace with God. I didn't know anything about the Bible. All I knew that I was a sinner. And I want to tell you what happened was, the goodness of God led me to repentance. And if you're saved, the goodness of God led you to repentance. You'd have to admit it. I wasn't looking for the Lord, were you? No. And you know what? It was like a big red uh, stoplight. Stoplight. And and I realized that I had a choice to make. Man, if I kept on trucking on the broad road, I was headed toward destruction. The only alternative was a a about face, a 180. And instead of walking, uh, running from God, I started walking and running toward God for the first time in my life. And I want to tell you something. uh, The way I know that repentance was real then is because I still repent today. I had to repent this last week. Anybody here had to turn from and turn to and change your mind in the last seven days? Yeah, yeah we're not talking sinless perfection, but hallelujah, it'd be good if we would sin less, amen? And, 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 and I'm just telling you that, uh, that it's the goodness of God that leads us to turn and to turn from and to turn to of the Lord. Now, now, listen to me. Uh, J.C. Rowell said, where there's no holy living, there's no holy ghost. Where there is no holy living, there is no Holy Ghost. Now, now we're living in a time where we can accommodate just about anything under the banner of the Christian flag, but the Bible is not like that. The Bible says, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. My Bible says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. My Bible says the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. And it goes on to say that we all with an open, unveiled, uncovered face, beholding as a mirror of the glory of the Lord, we're changed in the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of God. Listen to me, demons are not changed because demons don't have the spirit of God. And if you're not being changed or chastened, then neither do you. I'm not saying you got to be perfect. Nobody's going to be perfect, brother. But there's got to be a difference. Salvation is not just a matter of information. It's a matter of transformation. It was a tragedy. It was a tragedy. When, when fundamental Christianity started preaching head faith with the exclusion of heart devotion, it was, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a tragedy, my friend, an absolute tragedy. What does it profit, my brethren, James two fourteen. Though a man say he has faith and have not works, can faith save him? No, you can cross all the, the T's theologically, dot all the I's intellectually, and at the end of the day, still go to hell, according to James chapter two. Why? Because demons believe in the deity of Christ. They believe in the authority of the Bible. They believe in the uh, doctrine of retribution. They believe that Christ is the only way of salvation. But listen, if that's all you've got, you're still in league with demons. Now listen, it's not my goal here today to unsettle anybody that's got their feet planted on the solid rock. But it is my desire today to shake up some who have only demon faith. Can I ask you a question? What kind of faith do you have this morning? The Bible says examine yourself and see if you be found in the faith. There's a place for some uh, allowing of uh, the Holy Spirit to inspect us. What kind of faith do you have? Is your faith the kind of faith that produces good works? Hmm. Heard a fellow in the pulpit the other day says he was one of these extreme dispensational kind of guys, and he said the judgment seat of Christ is all like an Awana awards banquet, and uh, you may never win a soul, but you know you sang in the choir, and don't worry about it. Grace got you covered. Uh, My Bible tells me that we're going to give an account of everything we've done in the body, whether it be good or whether it be evil, and that sounds like more than an awards banquet to me. Pure religion and undefiled. Before God the Father is this, to do what? Visit the fatherless widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. I mean, that's a full-time job right there. Oh, my friend, be careful, the Bible says, to maintain good works. The Bible says in Titus, let him that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Bunyan preached 15 sermons in a row on that one verse alone, departing from iniquity. Is your type of faith a type of faith that produces fruit and good works? Number two, is your faith the type of faith that leads you to repentance? Let me ask you this. Have you ever changed your way Have you ever repented? Are you still repenting? Uh, Listen, repentance is an initial turning to God that has lifelong implications. And if you can get over what you got, you never got what God wanted you to get in the first place. And I know there's detours and dead ends and dry holes and we all make plenty of bungalows out of the thing, but in in, in the scheme of things, the goodness of God that led us to repent in salvation leads us to repent in sanctification. Oh, my friend, is your faith the type of faith that leads you to repentance? Number three, is your faith the type of faith that affects your behavior? Does your life back up what you say you believe? I mean, we can have the creed, but if we don't have the conduct, what good is it? We can have the belief, but we don't have the corresponding behavior, what good is it? We can have a head faith, but if we don't have a life message, what good is it? And number four, is your faith the type of faith that causes you to be excited about the person of Jesus Christ? Well, I like Jesus. I love Jesus. The best thing ever happened to me Jesus and if you're as carnal as me I hope not and if you're as drawn away and distracted as easily as me I hope not and if you fall in the ditch as often as me and I hope not you sure appreciate the fact that there's a Savior who can lead us back into the narrow path that leads toward heaven my heart is stirred whenever I think of Jesus that precious name that sets the captive free, the only name through which I find salvation. No name on earth has meant so much to me. Are you drawn out to him? Do you run hard after him? When you draw near to him, he will draw near to you this week. I'm telling you, that's a guarantee. Take that one to the bank. And I'm just I'm just I'm just here to tell you, brother, that there's nothing I can find no fault in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the best. He's precious. He's wonderful. He's great. He's merciful. He's kind. And I'm telling you, he's calling us to himself. Now, demons believe and tremble. But believing alone in facts or in emotional experience alone is not Necessarily conversion. You say, Well, what can I do? I'm not sure what kind of faith I've got. Well, number one, ask God to reveal to you the state of your own heart. Why don't we ask God? How many people have I said, They say, Well, I don't know if I'm saved. Or not. Why don't you go home this afternoon and why don't you get alone with God out somewhere and why don't you ask God to show you whether you've been converted or not? You aren't to inquire of God, wouldn't it? Uh, seek the Lord while he may be found. Ask God what kind of faith you've got, demon faith or saving faith. Narrow your interest to life's ultimate priority, your eternal destiny and relationship with God. You know, we're all about earth, but brother, the picnic is just about over with capitalism, it looks like. Can I say something to you? The best thing, the main show is yet to come and whatever happens here is only temporary. What's gonna happen in eternity is forever and it's a long time to be wrong in eternity. What can I do? Examine yourself and see if you be found in the faith. What can you do? Make your calling election sure. These are scriptures, are they not? Yeah. Uh, What can I do? Bring forth fruit, meet for repentance. I, I tell you what, I'd like to have a little fruit. I'd like to have a little gold, silver, and precious stones instead of wood, hay, and stubble. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want somebody to be there because you were here? I mean, really. I mean, bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. Yesterday morning, I got up and I said, God, who would you have me encourage today? He gave me a name. I said, God, how would you have me encourage him? He said, a text. He gave me another name. I said, Lord, how would you have me to encourage this person? He said, send them money. I said, okay, yes, sir, I'm in. And brother, I'm just telling you, if we would get in relationship and on talking terms with God, I'm telling you, we could bring forth some fruit uh, for the glory of Almighty God that will redound throughout eternity. What can I do? I uh, Come to Jesus broken over your sins. Now listen to this. Jesus said, he that comes to me, he who comes to me, I'll in no wise cast out of the house. He that comes to me, And I'm telling you, you say, what can I do? You can come to Jesus this morning, broken over your sin. Listen to this. Access has been granted. Access has been granted. There's not a man or woman on planet Earth who cannot come to Christ if they will because Jesus dealt with our sins in advance by taking the punishment on the cross in our place. Access has been granted. Listen to this. Uh, Acceptance is guaranteed. He that comes to me, not comes to church, not comes to uh, baptismal waters, he that comes to me, I'll in no wise cast out. Acceptance is guaranteed. I'm here to tell you, friend, if you'll come to Christ, And you say, man, I'm a sinner. I've broken the law of God. I know I'm I'm, I'm hell bound and hell deserving, but I believe that Christ died for me. Acceptance is guaranteed. Wow, what a deal. (laughs) Incredible. But listen to this. Number three, not only is access granted, not only is acceptance guaranteed, but application is required. Application is required. You got to come. And nobody can come for you, but you. Nobody can believe for you, but you. Nobody can repent for you, but you. And if you will come and make an application, as many as received Christ, to them give you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Do you believe that he died in your place? Will you yield yourself to him and trust him as your savior this morning? I'm telling you, acceptance guaranteed, praise God. Access granted, but you gotta make your application. Now, what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith but has no works? Can faith save him? And the truth is, it can't save him, can't save me, and it can't save you. God wants us to have something real that changes not only the destiny but the direction and the dominance in our lives. It's called the new birth. you got to be born again. Now, listen, friend. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And if you'll come to Christ this morning, acknowledging, man, I'm a sinner, man, I've blown it, I've broken the laws of God, and, or maybe you've lived a self-righteous life, which is just as bad as an unrighteous life. It's not gonna do you any good. Jesus is the only thing that can save anybody. Self-righteous or unrighteous people, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, and we got to come to Him alone for our salvation. It's a turning of our mind, and a, and, a, and a putting our trust in Christ and Christ alone. Now, listen, salvation is more than a mere head belief. It's more than a it's more than a real estate transaction. <laughs> it, it, it's it, it's a commitment of our mind, our heart, our emotions, our will, our intellect and our lives to Christ. I mean, that's it's, it's, it's a following of Christ. I'm telling you, he that comes to me, I'll in no wise cast out. Now, demons believe, but they've never been changed. They tremble, but they've never been changed. And, and, and listen to me, I'm not asking you if you're perfect. Nobody's perfect. But I do ask you this, are you different than what you were, the way you were born? Have you experienced the saving grace of God? God wants us not to have a counterfeit, but the real thing. And praise God, he that comes to Christ will in no wise get cast out. Isn't that wonderful? Could we talk to the Lord? Father, in Jesus' name, would you? If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida.